Welcome back to the Prophecy Club. We're going to continue our interview today with Dana Coverstone, ministry 29 years, 10 years pastoring Living Word Ministries in Burksville, Kentucky, and AOG Church. And he's talking about his last, he's actually had eight dreams that are shaken America, but he's talking about the last one today. We're going to talk about the silver line. Pastor Dana Coverstone, welcome back to the Prophecy Club. Well, thanks again, Stan. It's always an honor and a joy to be with you folks. <clears throat> Appreciate what you're doing and getting the prophetic word out and making a difference in the country. And also for being able to work with you folks with WatchmansTrumpet.com for these uh, in-house prayer events. I've, I'm excited, very excited to be a part of another one there on October 31st. If someone, before we get into the dream, if someone is thinking about possibly coming and if they were to call you to actually talk in front of you and say, hey, you know, should I come? What would your comment be? I'm going to say absolutely come because I was encouraged. Uh, I was inspired by what I saw. I came back to my church pumped up. Matter of fact, we're just going to do it just a short-term thing this coming Saturday here in my church from 8 to 8, um, inviting local churches, local pastors, local Christians, my people to come. And we're just going to have you know different people from my church just kind of give a short devotion, and we're going to pray about a certain thing. Um, things that you know any church can do on their own. But the thing about being there in person in Topeka, Kansas, that I'm excited about is to feel the presence that we felt and also to rub shoulders with people. Um, I like to pray in agreement with people. And I, I've got a Church of God guy in my church. When we get going, we get going for prayer. And uh, he'll be praying about something. I can jump on that prayer. Lord, I agree with that. I'm going to trust you. And, and, and the next thing you know, we're... We're we're locked we're locked together and we're praying for the same thing different different you know we're, we're viewing it differently we're coming at it from different angles but there's power in that and just that you know iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another well that especially happens in prayer and so I'm looking forward to being there again and uh, and being a part of that because it inspired me and encouraged me well well let me just talk just briefly about the actual layout of the meeting. And I got that in my prayer closet. I was praying, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty open with our, our listeners. They know that I'm nothing special, but I serve a special God. But I was, I, I, I was I, I'm sorry. I was just saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to put this meeting together. And just in a moment, he just did a download, and he showed me 30 minutes praise and worship, morning and evening, and then about 10, 15, 20 minutes talking for the various ministers. And that is not for entertainment. That is not for the ministers or their ministry to be lifted up. That is to simply motivate and encourage and to guide the, the people. And then the rest of the time, five-minute limit on the microphone, prayers, uh, gathering under one name, Jesus, under one to do one thing, to pray for our nation. And then he gave me like over 300 prayer topics that were on the overhead that as people were praying. And I cannot tell you how many people have emailed me. Oh, I got to have those prayer topics. You got to have those prayer topics. Well, they're yeah. for a free download along with all of your dreams, except the last couple, uh, mm -hmm. at watchmanstrumpet.com. But anyway, I think that that was a God ordained, um, how do we say, outline for the meeting. Yeah. We'd never done a meeting like that before. But this is this probably is going to be the last one of them. So your last chance to attend a prayer meeting that powerful, Dana. Wow. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely glad I'm coming and going to be a part of it and encourage as many people that can because um, to think about the day we're praying, 
the last weekend before the election. And you know, Stan, just as we pray, there are there are forces of hell in this country. There are witches and and uh, Satanists and people in the occult that love that holiday for one specific reason because they shine in it. So the opposition and the and the battle that will be going on that day in America that most the majority of believers will not have any ideas even going on. We will be on the front lines that entire time. And that is another reason why I'm excited, because it's not me fighting by myself in my prayer closet, just me. It's me with hundreds of other people praying, pacing, walking, kneeling, laying prostrate out, and praying together for the hand of God to move in our nation. Amen. And that's why that, that's Amen. what gets me excited. I get to join others and pray together in, in spiritual battle against the things that are happening to go. Well, so, it encouraged uh, me to see anywhere from 10 to 15 people in line for 48 straight hours, and they it was like they weren't standing in line to like they were getting something to eat. They were standing in line like, I can't wait to get up and bat again. I can't wait to swing that bat again. I can't wait to hit the devil again because as they're praying, they had some 400 or whatever it was people there also agreeing with them in prayer. And they would yeah. pray, and they would get right back in the line again and pray again. And get back in oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it was it war. Was exciting. So, brothers and sisters, what you want to do is go to watchmanstrumpet.com. Get signed up. Watchmanstrumpet.com. This is probably the last time we will do one of these solemn assemblies. This is probably your last opportunity to be in a prayer meeting, at least the most powerful prayer meeting that either Dana and I have ever seen. So if you want to be a part of sticking your finger in the devil's eye, kicking him out of America, then you'll be. Watchmanstrumpet.com. Watchmanstrumpet.com. Okay, Dana, tell us about this Silver Line dream. Okay. Saturday, September 26th, I had had the the final download of the dream. I saw this huge field, like a football field, only bigger. It was flat. It was open. um, No trees, just like a battleground, almost like, uh, I don't want to say Armageddon or Megiddo, but it was just a large open field, miles and miles long. Uh, either side, right and left, at the very far end, was like an elevated small hill. It just kind of went up like a like a ridge or a hill on both sides. Um, and in the very middle, there was a dividing line about five feet wide. It was a glimmering silver line. It was silver, almost like, looked, looked almost like a long line of silver bars, five feet, five feet wide, but it crossed the whole area. There was no, um, it, it divided the entire field in half. Sky was clear, no clouds, sun was at high noon, and you can see the, like when you're driving down the road and you see a head, like a little mist, and like when the heat's on the grab, the, the, the cement or the, or the asphalt, it makes it kind of steamy. Gives you that mirage look. That's what it looked like. The heat was was out, and on either side of the line, I saw a large number of people, and resembling what what appeared to be armies. On one side was a very very evil demonic army. They had red horses. They had weapons, heavily armored, and the horses were grunting and pacing and pawing at the ground, anticipating they were ready to go. They had handlers on the ground, and they were stroking the horses' necks, trying to calm them down. They were very confident, very prepared to fight. <laughs> but on the other side. Other side of that silver line, there was a uh, smaller group in size, uh, in number, and they appeared to be mesmerized. They were just in awe of the army on the other side, and uh, and they seemed very disorganized. They were very ill prepared. They had they had weapons and armor, but it was all broken and shoddy. 
Uh, I saw people with swords that were broken. I saw uh, shields that were cracked and chipped. I saw, you know, some some had armor on, but it was not polished or clean. It, it was rusty. I saw some had the armor laying on the ground beside them. They were not prepared at all. And then suddenly from down the hill behind this small army came ten horses, uh, white horses and riders. And uh, the men were fully dressed in battle armor. Every single one had a large sword. And it appeared to be very, very sharp. Their armor was was polished in brass and just, you know, glimmering. Um, and they rode quickly up behind this smaller army. And they were they were trying to say, okay, guys, it's time to get up. It's time to engage. we got a battle. We're fighting those people. We need to get you up and ready. we got to go. we got to go. we got to go. And, and the one leader was just kind of yelling this and trying to get everybody's attention. And uh, the horsemen went right up that line. And they began laying out their strategy for victory. But most of the people in that small army just ignored it, weren't listening, weren't watching, and they trembled. They kept looking at the enemy on the other side, that evil enemy. And finally, the leader raised his sword, and the other horsemen lined up right in front of the people. And he yelled the word charge. They took off across that silver line. And they'd shared strategy. They'd shared hope. They'd encouraged people to join them. And those horsemen, man, they ran right to that evil army. They began clashing swords and fighting close. Well, they were very, very evil in that sense. Their eyes were angry. They, they were just there to, to cause issues. Very, very demonic. And so, uh, and the riders, while they're fighting, keep looking back on the other side of the silver line. And, you know, like, as, they weren't saying, hey, come on. They were looking back like, why aren't you coming? What's wrong? Come on, we need your help. The ten horsemen, they just kept fighting as, as much as they could. You know, the clanging of swords and the, you could hear the horses whinnying and neighing. You could hear all the, you know, like a war movie, so to speak. The, the people who were on the other side... They started walking backwards all that distance towards the hill. They were trying to walk quickly, just were walking and sat down. But, but a lot of them got back to that hill, and they walked up about 10 or 15 feet from the top of the hill, and they just sat down, and they watched the battle. Almost like they're thinking, okay, we're not, we're, we're not close enough, we're not too close, we're safe. They sat down, they began to watch the battle. Now they're calling for backups. Hey, guys, we need your help. We need you. Come on, come with us, you know. And some of the people by the... And the small army, they edged up close to that silver line, but they didn't cross it. The small army who had retreated up the hill were sitting there. I, I saw a group of about 20 of those evil forces carefully sneaking up on them because they were watching the battle. They weren't watching their back. And the, the, the enemy sneaking up behind them had a bunch of swords. And, and one guy had a large battle axe, uh, almost like you'd see like in a Lord of the Rings type, type movie. And uh, they got within a few feet of them, and they attacked. And literally, they beheaded five of these people just like that. And some of the people in that group kind of looked back, noticed, noticed what was going on, and got up and started running towards the line. They tried to kill these people who were trying to yell. But because the ones by the line were watching the battle across the line, they weren't hearing the other people saying, hey, there's an enemy behind us. Now we're surrounded. So these dark forces, they just start running towards the unprepared army. Those people are panicking. They're looking for weapons and ways to defend themselves. And, and the ten riders, they look back, but they would not come help the smaller army. They were engaged. They were, they were in a battle, and they couldn't just leave that battle and come help the ones who weren't ready. The people who tried to cross the line without armor and weapons, they were easily killed, and they were left for dead on the ground. Part of that dark army that had flanked and come up behind, they now descended around the ten riders to fight against them. But the ten riders kept fighting. They weren't worried or concerned. I mean, they, they were in a fight. It didn't matter how many people they were surrounded by. They were in the fight. They were in the fight to win. And so the enemy was the enemy was being pushed back, even though the 10 horsemen were surrounded. I could see the dead people lying on either side of the line. 
and most of them never even crossed it. The smaller army did not cross that line. Not one person from that smaller army crossed the line. And so the leaders and the horses, they just kept fighting like they'd been prepared to, and they anticipated the battle. They weren't not going to you know, just lay down. That small army, they never moved. So only the ones that were prepared and ready were there. And so what stood out to me was that only a few were pushing the enemy back from the good side, but also just a few of the evil ones took out the many that were not prepared. And so to me, it's a pretty obvious interpretation we got to be prepared. That silver line is a refining and purifying line that requires a life committed, uh, surrender to Christ. That means spiritual maturity. That means experience in warfare is going to win the day. And, and there's a line in our lives that we've got to, that will determine whether we're ready or not. And, and there are some people who are never, ever, ever going to engage in spiritual warfare to that extent. And there are some people that are just happy to go to church and you know check, their, check off that they were there and that's it. And God's looking, the Lord is looking for people who are going to fight for him. The Lord is looking for people who will be ready in instant, in season, out of season, that will preach the word, that will share the word, that will not be afraid to uh, evangelize and, and share the gospel. Because those that are ready are going to be ready. And those that are not ready aren't going to be willing to pay the price to get ready. And we're at that, that interjunction, that intersection, I believe, in America where opposition is about to increase. And we see that with the, the uh, Supreme Court Justice Barrett potential, um, the fact that they're talking about um, the abortion issue and overturning Roe v. Wade. That, in the, in the, in the heart of my, some people in this country, that is, that is their God. That is the, you know, they, they, they worship at the, at the altar of Roe v. Wade and a woman's choice. And we understand the spiritual nature of that, that that is a, that is a grotesque sin. And, 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 and a, bla- a brazen and blazing um, sacrifice of children uh, at, at the altar of convenience. And so even within the church world, we have, we have a left and a right. Even within the church world, we have the sheep and the goats. And, uh, and so I think this dream was, was telling me and others, hey, you got, I've given you time to get ready. I've given you a warning. I, I've, I've not just through dreams and vision, but through the prophets, through the word, through pastors, through teachers. But now he's saying... The battle's about to start, and if you're not ready, you're going to be hurting. That's what I'm sensing from it. Okay, well, let me ask you the big elephant in the room question. When is this battle? I believe the battle's going on now. There, there's going to be more, more COVID lockdowns because governors are itching to lock things down. Even though you've got a lot of doctors, uh, major doctors in America, saying the lockdowns have done more damage. But still... Um, the battle's going on right now. The battle's been going on since early summer. The battle's been going on in one sense since COVID started. Churches were shut down. Lockdowns came in. 40% of the people have stopped going to church because of the lockdowns. And even even now, there's a lot that won't come back because of, of the challenges and the risks. But that has given us a mindset in the church in America that we can just, you know, well, nothing's the same. Well, there's a lot that is the same. We can still pray. We can still hear God's voice. We can still be um, involved in spiritual warfare. But the persecution that's going to come because of the election, I still believe wholeheartedly that Trump's going to win. But I also believe wholeheartedly, and not just because of dreams. This is common sense in reading the news. There are people who are going to go ballistic. There's already been several creedal papers put out by groups. They're saying mm-hmm. if Trump wins, that they're going to they're going to they're going to go absolutely nuts. 
and that America better be ready for it. Uh, just a few weeks ago in Louisville, Kentucky, they made the announcement about the indictments on the police officers involved in the Breonna Taylor case. And when it did not go the way that a certain, a certain um, element wanted it to go, they began to you know, riot. Uh, they burned down a business that was minority-owned. Um, and, the, and the lady in charge of that, of that rally, so to speak, stood up, and it was televised, and she said, we are coming to every county in Kentucky. And then she said, and we're not afraid to die. Now, I'm going to interpret that a little bit differently. There's 120 counties in Kentucky, which to me is a very significant number. I think a reason why God's allowed several, like the Cambridge Revival and other things, Walter William Brandon was born and raised here in the same town I am, and that's the reason I think God's moving in Kentucky. Because 120, there were 120 people waiting on the day of Pentecost. But they basically said, we're coming every county, and we're not afraid to die. And to me, that was, a, that was almost a, we're coming, and we don't care what we do or how we do it, and nothing you can do to stop us. That, to me, was a threat on each county. And I, I know people may get, get kind of turned off by me saying that, but what, you know, how, would anybody else, how would those people in Texas take it? There's an element out there that is burning just because they don't like something that happens or it's not gotten done in justice. And look, I'm against, there's bad cops, there's good cops. There's bad pastors, there's good pastors. There's good prophecy teachers standing. You know as well as I do that there's bad prophecy teachers. There's good <laughs> sure and bad not. In, yeah, there's good and bad in every agency, every department, every job, every area. But the way we respond to those things has got to be just and civil and legal and lawful, and, and non, non-harming. And so we are seeing those things happen. We, we already know there's going to be a, a huge stink in the air with whoever wins the election, whatever happens with that. And I don't think, you know, whether we, whether we know the day of the election, who wins or not, James Carville came out today and so he's going to have, you know, he's, he's going to be ready to, to, they'll know by 1030 that night who the president is. Well, if that's the case, then why are there, thousands and thousands and thousands of lawyers on both sides, you know, why are there people saying don't concede an election day, don't concede that election? Uh, because everybody knows it's going to be uh, a chaos stream for several days, maybe even weeks. And we in the church world had better understand that that's not just a political thing going on. There's a spiritual element there. And the spiritual element is is pushing us towards chaos. I was listening to NPR News Radio yesterday on my way home from from going to Walmart, and I—that's all we get here as far as, far as public, radio, I don't, public radio. And I don't have serious serious in my car, but anyway, they were talking with an anarchist who was trying to redefine the whole definition of what anarchy was. And the anarchists are good people, and they're and they and they've got plans and agendas, but yet I was there thinking, you've changed the narrative, you've changed the word, you've changed just like you know people have taken the rainbow symbol and made it out to be something else. People have taken the word um, socialist and made it out to be something else because Lenin and Stalin had a whole different understanding of socialism than the young people in our country do today. But they don't understand that the whole element of socialism ends up being just what Lenin and Stalin pushed and talked about if it's not careful. So my concern is that, the, that this battle represents, there, there are going to be a lot of people in the church world that are on it. They're, they're, they're serious with the Lord, and they're fighting, they're praying, they're in the Spirit. But there's a whole lot of people in our churches that still have no idea how severe things are spiritually, uh, emotionally, politically, governmentally, 
uh, even psychologically in our country. People are ready to snap from all the lockdowns. Uh, people are ready to get out and about. And the election is just going to be like the light and the firecracker on top of the cake. And the whole cake's about to explode. I want to be on that horse. I want to be fighting. I don't care what it costs me. I don't Amen. care what, what's going to happen to me. I've got to be fighting for the spiritual truths that are out there. Amen. And there are many that oppose us. You said that Christians are really afraid to die. You you said that the other that the enemy side is not afraid to die. But I think that is part of the problem. I think that most Christians really are afraid to die and of all of the people out there, we should be the ones that least fear death. But the enemy is willing to die for their cause, but oh no, no, not me, not <laughs> me. Uh, so speak to that about Christians not willing to die for their Lord and Savior. You know, Paul made the statement that he struggled with staying here and doing ministry and being with the Lord. And he's the guy that had the vision you know, in 2 Corinthians and was taken into the heavens and got the, you know, to feel and experience those things. But here's the other element that I, that I, that I believe. Um, if we really have faith and trust the Lord, um, we wouldn't get as upset about people dying. I, I, look, I love my, my mom's 89 years old. If she were to pass away, I would cry, I would mourn, I would weep. But I'll also be grateful and thankful that I get to see her again because I know she knows who the Lord is. Um, you know, we, when, we, when we lose somebody, we are not, Paul, Paul said, we are not like those who have no hope. I have hope. I believe that God's got a plan and a purpose, and that when I draw my last breath and close my eyes the last time, when I open them again, it will be on the other side in the, in the presence of the Lord. And a lot of believers are so caught up with their life and their job and their this and their that and all these other things that we forget that we are in a spiritual battle. The headlines every day in the newspapers confirm to me and to us that there are spiritual battles going on. But we tend to only see the the natural part. And I, and I do believe, and, I, and, and a lot of people don't like when I say this, but I believe God intended every church in America on the planet to be Pentecostal. And on the day of the Spirit fell, on, on the day of Pentecost in, in, in Acts chapter 2, that day Paul Peter said, this is that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he keeps going in that passage, no pause, to the, to the great and glorious day of the Lord, which is the second coming event at the end of the tribulation. So what Peter was saying was, this is the beginning of the last days. This is the beginning of the hard times. So run with it, run with it. And God gave the Holy Spirit so that when persecution would come, the church would be scattered, but also it would, it would take the gospel everywhere it went. And the church grew and thrived in a persecution moment for Amen. decades and decades and decades if you became a christian you could be thrown with the lions you could be ran through by roman swords but yet people kept getting saved and the church kept growing and growing and growing why because they were fearless they knew there was something on the other side and too many believers in the american church today we've never had to worry about martyrdom or persecution uh, or we've never had to worry about you know having someone come into our church i mean yeah we have church shootings but someone arrests us just for being believers or christians that's starting to happen here and, I, and I'll, I'll say it, I believe that we're going to start seeing people that will be martyred for their faith in this country. Amen. And I say that because, number one, it's biblical, not that, I'm, that I want to practice that part of it, but if we continue to stand for the Lord, and we continue to preach and teach the Word of God as it should be preached and taught, we are going to, there's already a target on our backs, Amen. and there will be an enemy who will try to silence us. And so I want to go into the battle knowing, okay, if I die, I die. But I've lived my life before Amen. my wife and my kids to glorify Christ. I have spent my life as an example 
to glorify Christ. Amen. And that I, if, I'm, if I'm remembered, I just want them to remember Jesus in my life. So believers need to take stock and invest and assess their lives right now and figure out what they believe, what they're going to do with what they believe, and get busy with the gospel because we know he's coming. We know the signs are there, and we know that things are about to get tough on the ground. So, Okay, I'll let me get you to there. address one last thing before we close. I know that they know that it's going to be live streamed. And, of course, everybody prefers convenience. You know, we'd rather do the drive up rather than wait an hour for our dinner at, at a restaurant. We prefer the convenience. So a lot of people are going to be thinking, well, hey, I'll just stay at home and I'll pray with you. But in your, uh, your solemn September assembly, specifically, it said that we need to assemble. So... Yeah. Someone and the reason we had to move the meeting from McAllen all the way up to Topeka, Kansas, is because the the pastors and their people said we see no reason, we see no reason to pay twenty five dollars to go to a place to just pray. I'd like for you to address why they actually need to attend the solemn October assembly on Halloween. Well, once again, Halloween is a vast unholy day. And we know there will be things that we know there will be things in the spiritual realms that we cannot see going on. We also know it's the weekend before Halloween. And when we talk about scripture and assembling together and organizing and being together, um, when God's people had major issues in the Old Testament, they came together and they prayed. And their solemn assembly, the people gathered around to pray and God's presence fell. And this is not just a church meeting. This is, this is a gathering of people from all different fellowships, denominations, backgrounds, and churches. But there's something about being able to link arms with people from around the nation and pray for the nation. There's something about being able to hear somebody else from, from, from Kansas pray while somebody else from Massachusetts prays. It's, 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 decent, it's, it's incredible to be in a room and to hear different accents, uh, different passions, <laughs> different things that people pray about that I may not pray about or may not pray about as passionately as some. Because when you hear people pray, it connects you to what's on their hearts. You and I both heard people pray about different things at different times. We saw a different passion with each prayer. Um, and there was one lady that, that I, we saw who came up very, very timid, very, very soft-spoken, it didn't take the first full five minutes the first time. The second time she came up, it was a little bit louder. And man, by the end of the forty hours, it was like we're going to have to we're going to have to pull this woman away from the microphone because there there was passion and power. And those things don't just excite you; they inspire you. And when I'm in a group, I'll be praying here in just a few hours with the guys in my church. And you could probably hear us all over the church because we pray in a smaller secret place room. But when we begin to pray. Begin to work off of one another, and I get excited about what I'm praying. I hear what my brother Dave is praying. I hear what Bill's praying, and they they hear what I'm praying. And all of a sudden, we're praying about things the others praying about. And the whole format we're going to pray about this, 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 and this goes out the window. Well, hey, Dave's got a passion right now to pray for Israel, so I start praying for Israel because I feel Dave's passion, and it encourages, <coughs> inspires me to pray about things in a way I have not prayed before. And so, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. When I gather together with people to pray, it's making a difference in me spiritually. And it's encouraging me. It's edifying me. It's building me up. And when you're praying with people for that long, and you're praying together, there, there becomes a bond that, that forms 
that is never broken. And so wow. I would encourage people to come and be a part of that. Wow. Amen. Well said, my brother. Well said. Okay. So you get to the meeting by going to watchmanstrumpet.com. Watchmanstrumpet.com. Read every word of it. It will tell you everything you need to do. We're asking people to be in their seat at 7.30. Shofars blow at 8 a.m. And once again at 8 p.m. to conclude the meeting. And it's going to be the same format. So go to watchmanstrumpet.com, 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 and get all signed up. Pastor Dana, thank you for being on today. It has been a joy and an honor, Stan. I've, I appreciate your friendship, uh, your support, and your encouragement in what, what God's doing with my life, uh, with, with the dreams um, and my ministry. And I just I, I appreciate what you're doing to get the message out there. And I appreciate your support of this event, the prayer events. Because I believe they are making a difference, Amen. have made a difference, and will make a difference. The hard Amen. times are coming, but God's going to see us through those things because we have we have put a, we have put that peg in the ground and said we're not moving. Okay, so what's your website? Um, I now have a YouTube channel. It's under Dana Coverstone. Uh, I, I've got the videos branded now, so it's easy to figure out who that is. We also have the Brace Yourself page on Facebook, my personal Facebook page, our church. Uh, website is Living Word Ministries AG and I'm in the process of developing a website probably just a couple more weeks out and I'll be starting some podcasts on prayer in the next two to three weeks as well. God bless you.